Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is recorded by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, verses 1 through 5. Hey, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, even everyone who has no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money on what is not bread and waste your labor on something that does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Satisfy your appetite with rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen well so that you may come to life. Yes, I surely will make an everlasting covenant with you, the faithful mercies promised to David. Look, I appointed him as a witness for peoples, a leader and commander of peoples. Look, you will call out to a nation you do not know, and a nation that does not know you will run to you on account of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, because he glorified you. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when I was a teenager, I and my best friend after school during hunting season headed out into the desert, and we had planned to stay the night out in the desert so that we could wake up in the morning and get that immediate start. Well, the problem was the next morning when we got up after driving out of a hill in the desert, something went wrong with my truck and it died. I cranked and cranked and couldn't get it to start. Then my battery died. Now, we were okay because both of our parents knew where we were going to be, and when we didn't show up that night, they would have showed up to look for us. So, we didn't have enough food to keep two teenage boys from going hungry, but we knew by the morning the next day we would be out of there, and we had enough water. Then a man came along in an old international carryall, and he was quite willing to hook up a tow rope, quite willing to give up his hunting day, to tow me out of the desert and all the way back to Rollins. Well, God bless that man. Twenty minutes later, I popped the clutch and whatever had gone wrong with my truck, it started. And he said, you kids, get back to town. Are you sure your truck's going to make it? And I swear before we got back to the interstate, I looked in the rearview mirror and he'd followed to make sure we were out. Before I left, I thanked the man for being so willing to help us. And the man said... To be honest, I couldn't leave a couple of kids stranded in the desert. That's quite a contrast to a story another friend of mine had told me when he was a teenager hunting near Rollins. His dad's truck had battery had died and a man came along. You never know when the next guy's going to come along and they hadn't told people where they were at. The man says, yes, I'll give you a jump start for a hundred dollars. This was a long time ago when people didn't carry credit cards and $100 was supposed to be a week's worth of gas for them and there had been something gone wrong with the truck. His dad had no choice. The man took advantage of him. My friend said, he ruined my hunting season that year. That's really the position we find ourselves in when it comes to salvation. We can't help ourselves. Somebody else has got to come along and bail us out. But it's real easy for people to turn around and take advantage of it, isn't it? Oh, I'll bail you out for everything you have. Or there's God in His grace who says, yes, I'll bail you out. And unlike the man who, even for him, it was my conscience couldn't let me leave you stranded out here for God, it's, I love you. God is gracious. So today, as we look at our text in which Isaiah is clearly prophesying, salvation is free. 
We have our theme because nothing else is free in this life. Even when we do things like help other people out, lots of times it's so that we don't have a burdened conscience, which makes it not a free lunch. We have that saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And yet the biggest thing of all, the thing that matters for all eternity, salvation, is truly the one free lunch. And it is the only meal that matters. So verse 1 tells us, Hey, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, even everyone who has no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money on what is not bread and waste your labor on something that does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Satisfy your appetite with rich food. When my friend and I were broke down, I think that was our biggest concern being teenage boys was how are we going to keep food in our bellies until our parents show up? Because we knew as teenagers we didn't have enough food. And the belly starts getting hungry, especially when you're a teenager. But God here says there is a food that you have to have. And let's admit it, there is a pain, there is an ache in our proverbial hearts. There is a hole there that is meant to be filled by God. And people who do not know God sadly run out to fill it with the things this world has to offer. We need roof over our head, clothes on our back, food in our stomachs. And we run out to get those. And the Lord blesses us and we get a house and we get those clothes. And you know what? That food you eat in the morning and oftentimes by lunchtime you're already hungry again. You need more, 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 more. The clothes wear out and your house, it's constantly needing maintenance. It's stressful, isn't it? There's something in our heart and the things of this world, if we want to fill them with home and clothes and food... We're going to be pretty miserable because they just keep passing between our hands. Others try to fill them with a spouse. But you know, the reason why we need to be saved is because we're sinners. We're not holy in and of ourselves. And you know what? Even unbelieving psychologists will tell you we tend to view the world through our own eyes. We call that we're self-centered. And if you think that somebody, if you can find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right and fill your heart and that's going to take the place that God is meant to have, you're going to find out that you just married a sinner like you. Somebody who sees the world through their eyes just like you. No, that's not going to fill that hole. As we get older, we start noticing that our bodies are designed to wear out. God subjected this world to decay. If we're hoping that we can keep our bodies healthy and we want to be good stewards with our body, but if that's what we think is going to fill that place for God, you don't have to hit middle age before you start noticing aches and pains, right? I could go on and on about the things we try to fill that hole in our heart. But God says to us, satisfy your appetite with rich food. The Hebrew literally says fat. Abundance. There is an abundance of the meal God offers to us. And that meal is salvation. And it's the package deal. It's the forgiveness of sins and everything. That hole in our heart is plugged when Jesus sends somebody to share the good news of forgiveness of sins. And then he sends the Holy Spirit into our heart to create faith, to make that new man. And boom, the hole is plugged. It is filled with what is meant to fill it perfectly. 
God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now let's get back to verse 1. He says, hey all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Even everyone who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. The Hebrew word that's translated without cost may be best translated without bartering. As a teenager who used to drive a rusty, and still drives a rusty old truck, I get the idea of bartering. Okay, I need a transfer case, but I have a pair of headers that my buddy needs, and he's got a buddy who needs those headers, and he has a transfer case, so we'll do some bartering. We try to barter with God, don't we? Oh, Lord, if you'll, if, if, if you'll go ahead and give me this and this, then I'll give so much offering in the offering plate. Oh, God, if, if you'll just give me this job promotion... But you know what? God says here, the one thing that matters in life is eternal life. And he says, this is free. You don't have to buy it from me. You don't have to barter from me. I've laid out the table. And in fact, that Holy Spirit in our heart leads us to understand we don't have to do penance. We don't have to walk on our knees up to Casper Mountain or something like that to buy forgiveness. Forgiveness is a feast that God gives for free. He lays out the table and that Holy Spirit that he put in our heart, that Holy Spirit leads us just as he did with you this morning to come and hear the word where God says, I have saved you. Your sins are gone, washed away. This is a meal that is eternally nourishing. Just like we need to come every day and feed our bodies. God recognizes that and provides that. But he also provides every day for you the message, I have forgiven you. And in fact, so that you don't just eat every day, eating, for example, gruel enough to survive, shall we say. He even gives us dessert. He allows you to eat a special meal. The Lord's Supper in which you literally receive the body and blood of our Lord. You get to taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you're like me and had it done when you were an infant, you may not remember it. But with baptism, God let you feel the waters on your head. And now daily he empowers you with that baptism daily to get up and be a Christian and beat the stuffing out of your sinful nature. Because that Holy Spirit has plugged that hole in your heart that's meant to be filled by God. So that you know the one free lunch is the only meal that matters. It is eternally nourishing. Now I told you a man came along and was kind enough and, and would, would not leave two kids stranded out in the desert. In contrast to my friend who had somebody take advantage of him. I've understood what that man said. In fact, I understood it just this week once again, and his words came to my mind. We had just set up our tent in our camp. A woman came walking into our camp and just about in tears said, I'm stuck. I knew you were here. Our truck wasn't completely unpacked. If I bounced out of the boulders and down the road, I'd ruin a bunch of gear and everything. I asked her a few questions, realized she didn't need my truck to pull her out. I, I had a hand winch to come along, threw it over my shoulder, walked out to where she was at, attached it to a tree where I wouldn't damage the tree, and started that inching her out one step at a time. She was not going to get out on her own. And that's where you and I are at in our salvation. And so God did something about it. And we're told about that as Isaiah continues to prophesy. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen well so that you may come to life. 
Yes, I surely will make an everlasting covenant with you. The faithful mercies promised to David. Now, we translate that an everlasting covenant with you, but our English ears might make that think that's a two-sided covenant. For example, when you go to the bank to get a loan, it's a two-sided covenant. They give you the money, you make the payments, and if you default, they take whatever insurance you have laid down, right? But here in the Hebrew, it's the lamed of advantage. We call it benefactive. It's actually, I will make an everlasting covenant for you, And he specifies what that covenant is, the steadfast committed love for David. See, God had made a promise with David, and it was not like the covenant at Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, the Israelites, like with the bank, they had to follow the worship laws. They had to stay faithful. And in return, God would keep them as a sovereign nation, and they would shine with his glory. Of course, they broke the deal 40 days later and made a golden calf while Moses was up on Mount Sinai too long. But the covenant God made with David, David had to do nothing. It was really a promise God made to David. The Savior will be from your gene pool. He'll be a descendant from you. You see, you and I were stuck in our sin and we could not even inch our way out with years and years of digging. So God became a man. He came to pull us out. He came down from heaven, true God, so that our salvation couldn't be botched and took on human flesh so that he could be our substitute. And so God says, look, I appointed him as a witness for peoples, a leader and commander of peoples. Now, that word, a witness for peoples, we cannot help but to hear the beginning of John's gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Through him, all things were made. Apart from him, nothing that has been made was made. See, Jesus is the spokesman for the Trinity. He has come. If you want to know the Father, if you want to know the Holy Spirit, you got to go through Christ. He's the spokesman. He's the Savior. He's the one that tells you of your salvation while earning it. Uh, Look, I appointed him as a witness for peoples and a leader. The Hebrew word for leader there? is a prominent one. This could be a chief priest or it can be a king. It's somebody who's prominent. Jesus is true God. He's the prominent man. He's the true king. He's the true high priest. He's the true prophet. He's the one that rules in your heart by sending the Holy Spirit. He's the one who is prominent because he's your substitute. He's the one that pulls us out of our sin. And the last word there, and a commander of peoples. A commander is to be obeyed. And Jesus demands that you obey one thing. That you believe that he did all the work. Not He did 99% of the work and you did 1%. Not 50-50. You believe that he did all the work to save you. And to make sure that you obey that command, he puts the Holy Spirit in your heart so that you have the faith, which is the obedience to that command. So Jesus tells us of salvation. He rules in our hearts and he leads us so that here you are coming to that eternally nourishing word 
which is the word of he who came from heaven, like the miracle bread, the manna God gave in the desert to eternally nourish you. He is the bread of life from heaven. When you have Christ and his Holy Spirit in your heart, you are alive forever. And so he says in verse 5, Look, you will call out to a nation you do not know, and a nation that does not know you will run to you on account of the Lord your God. It's interesting, it says the nation, but then it's plural to focus on the individual people of that nation. Salvation was not just for Israel. Salvation was for the world. And that's a comfort for you and I, because we don't have to worry that we were born to the right people and therefore we'll be saved. Uh Uh-uh. It's Christ who does all the work and he has called out to you using your friends, using your family. He's called out to you. You're part of that nation. And then he's made you part of the one true nation that matters, the invisible church of all believers. And so he says, they will run to you on account of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel because he has glorified you. Christ didn't just pull you out of the muck and mire of your sins. He died for you. He spilt his blood, which washes you clean. He has put the white wedding dress of his bride, the church of which you are a member, on you. His righteousness. Jesus is the bread of life from heaven. A free feast that he offers to every one of us that is eternal. There are those who are stuck and stranded. And people will come along like that man who did with my friend and say, I'll give you a jump start for a hundred bucks. Oh, if you crawl up Casper Mountain on your knees, if you give the right amount of offering, if you do enough around the church, but that's making people buy it. That's taking advantage of people. As Martin Luther discovered, he never felt fully forgiven. And if a person does, they're lying to themselves if they're trying to barter for forgiveness for the eternal nourishing meal. But then there's God who looked down on us, took pity on us, free of charge, pulled us out, laid out that banquet for us, that's going to keep you eternally alive. The one free lunch in this world is the only meal that matters. It's eternally nourishing because it is salvation and it is the bread of life from heaven because Jesus is the one who won salvation and gave it to you. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Father, we praise you for the countless blessings which we receive from your hand, the beauties of creation and the bounties of the earth, the joy of life and the pleasure of friendship, the good of work and the gift of rest, the privilege to share happiness and sorrow with one another. Above all, we praise and thank you for your saving word and for your son's body and blood, which you give us to eat and drink in the sacrament. Through these means of grace, you send the Holy Spirit into our heart and unite us to Jesus and the whole Christian church on earth. Strengthen us through this heavenly food. Increase our trust in Christ and our love for one another. Great God and Lord, without your continuing help, we easily waver in our faith, lose courage and grow careless in our watchfulness. The times and days are perilous. Give us strength to face the evils of each day with fresh confidence. Open our lips to speak of your grace and move us to use the gifts that you give us to share your word of salvation with all people. Protect and prosper the family, the school, the government, and all good institutions that you have established for the benefit of society. Remember in mercy those who are sick and suffering and bring your healing to troubled homes and lives. Gracious Lord, we ask you to use us to proclaim to those who are weary in this decaying world of sin that they may be made members of your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you have continued to protect our congregation from the COVID virus. We ask that you allow us to continue to share your word during this time and protect us as we meet together as your sheep. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Now, eternal God and Father, keep us in the saving faith and so enable us to overcome all things through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.